is the Everyday Dietitians Podcast. I'm Hope Brandt. And I'm April Roby. We're two RDs here to offer down-to-earth advice to help you develop sustainable habits, decipher wellness trends, and design an aligned life. Welcome to the show. And welcome back to episode eight of the podcast. I can't believe we're already on episode eight. It feels like we've only done like two, but at the same time, I feel like I live in Hope's Closet. (laughs) I'm really sorry. (laughs) At least it's not like under the stairs like Harry Potter. That's true. It feels like home. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about, let's talk about what we're going to talk about and then let's talk about that. Okay. (laughs) The topic of this podcast today is common struggles that we kind of see across the board when we're working with our clients. Mm -hmm. So if it's a common struggle for that group of people, then I'm guessing that a lot more people struggle with those same things. Yeah. And we're mainly going over the things that we see repeated. So it's Mm -hmm. not like singling out one person, like it's things that like we see like across the board and even what we struggle with too. So um, hopefully if we break down these struggles and give y'all a solution, it can help y'all on your nutrition journey and just kind of see things for what they are. Yeah. Yeah. But as usual, before we jump into that, let's do our icebreaker question, which is completely directed at myself because (laughs) I feel like I need to focus on the good (laughs) during this period of time. So icebreaker question is, what is your favorite thing about wintertime? <laughs> so I'm forcing myself to say something good about <laughs> wintertime. The things are slim, but we'll go ahead. And- yeah, it is slim pickings. We are summertime thriving people. <laughs> I'm not as, I mean, I love my summertime, but Hope might be just a couple notches over me. <laughs> but I definitely cannot stand the cold. And literally in Oklahoma, I think it's more cold than it is warm. But at least we get a little mixture of all the seasons. Yeah, yeah. So having four seasons is cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm from Louisiana where we have hot and muggy and then we have like cool and humid. So basically we're just (laughs) humid and either hot or either hot or just room temp. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's nice to move up here and get seasons and like the freeze last year, that was kind of fun when we had snow. Um, so this kind of leads into my favorite thing about the winter time, which is just being able to like snuggle in front of the fireplace mm-hmm. with Tobias and David, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly Tobias. <laughs> not 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 the husband though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would like honestly, mine is like pretty much the same thing. I, as you know, like Every time your fireplace is on, I feel like to sit right in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> I have to sit right in front of mine. So like a fireplace, just drinking coffee, uh-huh. um, snuggled up, especially when it's snowing. And when it actually snows, I love it because I can actually go outside and do something for yes. like a little bit. But if it's just like cold and freezy and it's like nothing on the ground, everything's <sighs> just dead. I really don't like being outside, which yeah. makes it really hard to like want to get out and do anything. So No, exactly. My neat like has a steep drop oh, yeah, in no. the wintertime. <laughs> I track my average like steps. Usually in the summer, it I easily hit like 10,000. It's like four to five. Oh, on, yeah. And that's only because I walk around the gym. Oh, yeah. No, I have to make a point to go to the gym to walk. It's like, this is kind of pathetic. But I mean, I don't know. Being cold, I'm a pretty tough person. And being cold is just something that I do not cope well with. <laughs> Same. Same. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. So do you want to go ahead and dive into the topic then? Yeah. Let's go ahead and get into some common struggles. So we're going to start with kind of a super heavy hitter that I feel like we <laughs> might touch on this every, every single episode. podcast episode yeah. that we do. <laughs> but first one is having the expectation of perfection when you are approaching your nutrition. And that can be just approaching the types of foods Mm -hmm. that you're eating, like your food quality, or also when you are tracking your macros or tracking food. Or when just life gets overwhelming and you feel like you either are hitting your goals, whether it's like plate composition, Mm -hmm. um, you're choosing quality foods, or you're like, you're off the so on, like so-called deep end and you're doing absolutely you feel like nothing. When mm-hmm. reality, there's a gray area there and you can choose in, in that moment to do the best you can versus being 
Perfect. Yeah. So uh, I guess let's talk about how we can still achieve our goals if we are just focusing on plate composition or like food quality goals. So if we just have a goal of making sure we're getting adequate balance of macronutrients and increasing our food quality. Like April was saying, it it's not all or nothing. And we say this all the time, but you can still hit these goals even if you're out to dinner at a mm-hmm. restaurant. You can or still- Or even going into a convenience store. Like mm-hmm. there's always something and it might not be the 100% best option, but yeah. it's like the best of what you can do. And those choices are going to add up over time too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really just kind of making a balanced plate based on your options mm-hmm. and then just adding a fruit and vegetable whenever it's available to you. Mm-hmm. So something that I kind of talk to my clients a lot about is even if like a super nourishing option, like a fruit or a vegetable isn't available to you, you can still create a balance in what you're eating. So at least making sure that you are getting, you know, two macronutrients at a minimum with Mm -hmm. whatever you're eating. Meaning like if you're at a restaurant and you're really not seeing like anything balanced, there's not a fruit Mm -hmm. or veggie. So you're like at a burger shack and all you see is like burger and fries. Well, it's still like you can opt out for others options. You don't have, you can not supersize it Mm -hmm. or you could, the burger and the bun makes up for two macronutrients. And then you, that evening, um, if you're at home or you're passing by another convenience store, then you can look to add those nutrients. Or even if you have the burger and fries, like, well, I already, you know, hit my, like, I feel full. Mm -hmm. I'm good. I'm satisfied. So maybe double up on the veggies this meal. Like, yeah doing an overall balance. Right, exactly. It's all about the average on the day and looking at the day as a big picture, mm-hmm. not like, oh my God, individual. I had the burger and fries. Yeah. I suck. I'm going to yeah. <laughs> go get me a whole bag of Sour Patch Kids and I'll start tomorrow when I'm at home. Yep. And yep. it's like, you're not on a diet. Like you're literally, mm-hmm. this is your life. Like you need to eventually grow up and realize that you can make yeah. <laughs> and a decision um, every single time, like I'm, this is mainly at myself because I used to be like that <laughs> I was way gonna too. Say, Ouch! <laughs> Sorry. Well, like no, I I literally had that mentality. Like if I was not, um, oh no, same. Everything was an excuse then yeah. to just start oh, tomorrow. Well, I'm um, yep. traveling today, so exactly. I I'm gonna go ahead and get my In and Out burger and French fries. Not even craving like sour patch kids or anything. I'm just like, well, it's a road trip, and then you know, yeah. I'll well, and I won't have another opportunity, so yeah. might as well live it up now. Exactly. Nope. And uh, reality, like, if you really want, you know, you try to talk, you just go for it. You know, like, mm-hmm. but there's a point where you gotta like be like, okay, my, if am I having this all or nothing mindset yep. because I'm fixing to start whatever tomorrow or mm-hmm. Monday, and you're just gonna live it out. So just. It takes a lot of time and practice, but um, yeah, you got to flex that in the middle <laughs> muscle. Yeah, exactly. The resiliency yes. muscle and the like hone the craft of being able to isolate your choices where, yeah, the choice like, that you make at really what I want, uh-huh. like, or does actually like another option sound better? Or can I wait until, or can I, I can grab this fruit? Because honestly, like the only reason I'm grabbing this because it's a road trip. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what you choose doesn't have to be, you know, predetermined by a choice that you made earlier or a choice that you think you're not going to be able to make later. Exactly. You can make it either because mm-hmm. you really want it then or because um, it goes along with your goals and that's why you do or do not yeah. make that decision. Okay. And then also let's talk about how you can approach tracking macros without this type of perfectionistic yes expectation. So there's three like top tier important things when we're talking about tracking macros that are going to be really important to prioritize. And that is hitting your calorie mark, hitting your protein target and making sure that you're still getting adequate fiber. Yes. Yep. Those so, are kind of the big three. There. Um, a lot of people like, or, or I see like my clients get confused. Is like a lot of times, like I don't even give specific carbon fat macros now. Like I did in the, like when I first started coaching Mm -hmm. and the reason being is because it can actually promote like more anxiety. So like she said, like it's the calories and your macros make up your calories. Like, well, don't I have to count my macros? It's like, well, that's what we're doing. Like we're making sure you have enough protein or make sure you have enough fiber. But if you have a, if I said you have to eat 50 grams of fat 
and that's what you get for that day. And you had to hit, say, 200 grams of carbs. Mm -hmm. And that was that. And you're at the end of the night and your fat's all used up and all you have is carbs. And it's just like, do you really just want to eat something like just a carb? Or yeah. <laughs> just something really weird. Like, like a, six plain rice cakes. It's like, yeah, now I get six <laughs> plain rice cakes. And it's like, or could you like have it like, you know, you have 300 calories left and it, it doesn't really have to be from just a carb. And you can say, well, I can take this opportunity to build a 300 calorie balanced snack versus just eating six plain rice cakes, which is what I've done during many bikini preps. It's like, oh, okay. Well, I only have two grams of fat left. And protein. Yeah. So guzzle a protein shake and then eat two almonds. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, uh, no, like it doesn't have to be that way when it comes to just lifestyle nutrition. Like you just need to be in that calorie range. As long as you hit your protein most days, get mm-hmm. your fiber most days, like you can have wiggle room. And that's why like right. I don't specifically enjoy like having specific macro goals anymore. Right. I I try to make sure to explain to my clients because I still, if someone wants to track macros and that's something that's going to facilitate achieving the specific goal that they have, I normally continue to give them their all three Mm -hmm. macronutrient goals, but just kind of make a point to say that carbohydrates and fats can flex from day to day. What we're really looking at is those energy macronutrients kind of combined as a whole. So when you're tracking, those can vary from day to day. The only thing that that might do is cause slightly higher or like more intense fluctuations on the scale, but it's not going to do anything to hinder your overall progress. Or if you have a day mm -hmm. of like lower fat, higher carb, your scale might be up. Yeah. Vice versa, if you have a day where it's like lower carb, like you're probably going to scale down. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. But I like that you do still give specifics, but like it's like... They're like, I could hit this, but like, I don't like, if I do eat a little bit more fat and less mm-hmm. carb, that's fine too. Well, and that is mainly just to give an example of what a, a balance right. should look like, because it still is important to have a balance of both macronutrients. That's true. Even though, you know, technically if you're eating no carbs and all fat or whatever it is, you could still achieve any type of specific like macro related goal, but I think... You're not going to be the healthiest you can be, like if you're completely neglecting fat or eating too less of fat. Yes. But I do give minimum goals. Like I will say, like, don't ever go under like 130 grams of carbs and don't Mm -hmm. ever, ever try to ever go under like 35 grams of fat. Yes. For a prolonged period of time. Yes. If you hit some days where it's like Like, a fluke. Yes. Fine. Totally fine. An average. But like, um, and why I pick those is like, Research it like 130 grams of carbs is needed for your brain to function properly. And then I love getting to tell people that because no <laughs> one understands how much glucose your brain a uses. lot, just yeah. 100, 130 grams. Like that's insane. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, if you are doing keto diet and you're in ketosis for a period of time, your brain will can switch, switch fuel using sources. ketones. Um, but it's still not its first in preferred fuel source right. like your body's obviously not just going to be like well no energy like it will work over time if you yeah. are doing like an actual ketogenic diet not mm-hmm. a high protein low carb diet where your body's going to actually yeah break well, down your protein and use it as energy as yeah. carbs and, and you're kind of in a no man's land at that point because you're still getting carbohydrates from like vegetables and mm-hmm. things that you're eating so if you're hitting you know like 80 grams of carbs a day. Your body could be in a limbo of fuel yeah. sources. Like you either need to pick one and go yeah. with it. Like you don't need to be in a limbo where your body's like maybe about to hit ketosis, but slightly uh-huh. like it not knowing what to do. So, and most people are not in ketosis. They're doing an Atkins diet. Exactly. And their body's not going to let you in ketosis if you're eating high protein. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we weren't going to go into the keto diet, but I mean, it, here yeah. we were. But anyway, okay. Well, uh, rabbit hole there. But to bring us back, most important things when you're tracking macros is making sure that you're hitting your calorie target, making sure you're hitting your protein minimum and making sure that you're still getting in enough fiber, which kind of is a it just safeguard. Sure, against- it just makes sure you're getting food quality. Exactly. Like it's like, if you're not getting in enough fiber and I will, there's a caveat to it. Like, did I say that right? Yeah. <laughs> that word, I mean, caveat. Caveat. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but, like I have some people that will like, 
I would much rather you take time and get it from like Whole Foods than put in like a fiber bounty and stuff yes. like that or a fiber supplement. Like a lot of people are like, I need to hit this 25 grams this first week. And I'm like, no, no, actually, I would much rather you like wait it out, get educated on what fiber is in, spend mm-hmm. some time um, finding out what works and get it through your food than like supplementing it through like a fiber bar or a fiber supplement. Well, and that's important because like we covered last week, the most important thing when considering our fiber intake is a variety of sources. And if you're eating a fiber supplement, you're not, you're not. And honestly, mm -hmm. like think about fiber, like think about a piece of broccoli versus a fiber supplement. Do you think that supplement is really going to add that bulk the same way that broccoli is? It's just not. Yep. So, um, just it's a different ball game. So, um, if you can, if you're listening to this, like get your fiber from your food. Um, of course, there's some other reasons why other people will be on fiber supplements. But for the general population, just take some time and you'll figure out how to get it through food. It just takes yeah, well, some time. And yeah, it takes a little bit of learning curve mm-hmm. and then a concerted effort. But exactly. once you start naturally incorporating those foods. It's really easy. Like, yes, honestly, like, you will hit it. No problem. Yeah. If you're eating a fruit and veggie and you're yep. Mainly doing whole grains, yep. like eating your skins with potatoes, like yeah. small things like that. Like I love it. Yes, I'm sorry. That just made me think of uh, Austin Powers Gold Member, where he like eats Gosh, like skin plates. No. <laughs> Everybody Austin eat your skins. <laughs> Everybody eat your skins. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm done. Okay, I'm okay. Watch that movie. <laughs> This is one of my favorites. Honestly, Austin Powers is like this weird tradition in my family. Like, I remember, like, we hit, maybe we were like 10, and my dad was like, All right, kids, it's time to watch Austin Powers. And we like sat it's down like as your a bedtime movie. <laughs> yeah. It's so odd. Looking back, it's like, What the okay. hell? <laughs> Makes you wonder what weird traditions yeah. you have when you have kids. <laughs> okay, all we have to watch Austin Powers. Yeah. And like, what is this movie? <laughs> what the heck? Um, okay. Anyway, back, back to the task at hand. Another big struggle that we see is being able to actually hit your protein target. So this is kind of a multifaceted problem, mm-hmm. but... Honestly, I think like the very, very first problem is that protein recommendations across the board are way too low, especially if you're trying to look at like the RDA or what. Maybe. I think my RDA is like 45 grams of protein yeah. or if that like 40, like that. I just want to say the RDA is minimum to keep you like functioning. Yes. So, like to prevent optimal. <laughs> contracting a disease. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so when you like look up like the RDAs, it's not like saying... 40 grams of protein is what you need. For optimal health. For optimal health. This is like, you will die if you are not getting 40 grams of protein on a regular basis. (laughs) Or maybe not that extreme, (laughs) but like you will have protein malnutrition. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, if you continue to be malnourished for a long period of time, you, uh, it's, yeah, you you die. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. So (laughs) first of all, (laughs) you don't eat enough protein, you will die. (laughs) So... Obviously, it's not a very high threshold to, to not die. From like literally, lack of protein. if you legit, if your Starbucks coffee has seven grams of protein most yeah. of the time, if you do a latte, like, you're gonna be fine. Everyone is hitting the RDA minimum of a protein. Most intake. people, yes. yeah, especially in America when meat yes. is our now in America for sure. Now this is why these exist because in a lot of countries it is harder to come by. Yeah, protein enough protein quality protein. Yeah, yep. so. Okay, but anyway, that is the first thing. So when you come off of hearing that, you know, that's the only amount of protein that you need, and then we tell you like, oh, you need to be like hitting at least 100 grams a day and probably well over that if you are active or doing any type of Mm -hmm. training. It can seem like a lot. Yeah, it can seem like a lot and be hard to kind of wrap your brain around where it's like, I didn't even have to try to hit this Mm -hmm. and now... It's like, wait, how in the heck do I add a hundred grams yeah. to what I was already and eating? And I feel like a lot of my clients, I will say a lot, but like, I know like they want to jump towards like protein shakes and protein powders immediately. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I totally cool supplementation and like, but like, you're not 
unless you don't want to drink six shakes a day. Like right. <laughs> you right. need to learn how to um, incorporate it in your diet. And usually if you stick with the balanced plate method, a fourth year mm-hmm. plate being protein, you're easily going to get anywhere from 25 to 35 grams of protein. Yeah. If, Depending on the source. On the source of protein. Mm-hmm. Like if it's animal based, like chicken, fish, steak, you're eating for three to six ounces. You're getting 20 to 40 grams of protein typically. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you have like legumes on the side, like beans, yes. like more protein, you're adding cheese, more protein. So my biggest thing is like making sure like you're starting off your day with ample amount. If you're not a breakfast person, you don't eat for breakfast. Just make sure your first meal, you know, has mm-hmm. ample amount of protein. Um, typically, you want to spread out decently evenly. Yeah. So, well, and just like anything, any other macronutrient, that's why balance throughout the day mm-hmm. is important because it helps regulate your hunger cues. Exactly. Um, and let your body know, like, it's getting what it needs to fuel yourself adequately throughout the day. Exactly. Um, another kind of method, if you are not, like, measuring or you don't know the weight of the amount of protein that you're getting is using, like, hand measurement method. So what I typically tell my clients is an open palm serving of protein on your plate at least three times a day. Yep. And your palm is unique to you, right? So like a big dude is probably going to have a bigger hand. Which so honestly more works protein. Yeah. yeah. So if you're a petite person, then you need a smaller amount of protein. Mm-hmm. So that's why I kind of like looking and using your own hand to be yep. able to measure. And that's the easy thing to follow and say, mm-hmm. well, if you only, some reason you do skip breakfast, like double up, or like do a palm mm-hmm. size and a half. Like there's things you can do or in your snacks, like yes, add things. But again, like the meat doesn't have to be like the only, the only, plate. yes. Well, and I love adding kind of that supplemental protein to your plate where it's like choosing carbohydrates and fats that have a higher protein mm-hmm. content. Those are not things that I would consider to be quality protein sources, right? Because the majority of the calories, yeah, are coming from either carbohydrates or fats, or they don't have all nine essential amino acids. So like peanut butter, like it's mainly the calories are coming from fat. Like you don't want a fourth of your plate being peanut butter. (laughs) Exactly. But that (laughs) small amount of protein, if you're getting it from multiple sources throughout the day, Mm -hmm. that adds up and could probably give you an extra... 20 to 30 grams. Absolutely. So that makes a big difference. So you can either increase your portions at your meals. Mm -hmm. Um, If you notice that your breakfast is typically like a granola bar and a coffee, like finding something with protein in it, you can start with the cheese stick. You can start Mm -hmm. somewhere small and just find ways you can add in protein. And you don't have to hit like your grams perfectly right off the bat. I tell my Mm -hmm. clients like the first three weeks is a learning curve. Like for sure, you're probably going to hit maybe only 50. And then the next day, you reevaluate and then you hit 60. And then finally, after a few weeks, like you're, mm-hmm. you know, and you're finding Yeah, and you get a handle over like how to consistently make sure you're getting enough throughout the day. Exactly. Because if you are not getting it in like periodically throughout the day, you will not be able to hit your goal. Absolutely not. Because I can guarantee you like you cannot eat 100 80 grams, grams of protein at once. Yeah, it's not would be really full. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So I, I legit have clients like, I have this much left at the end of the night. And I'm like, stop. It's not start, happening. Start yeah. again tomorrow. <laughs> start again tomorrow and just plan accordingly. Like, yeah. especially like it, if you're left with a lot of calories at the end of the night too, like don't even try to stuff yourself before bed. Like right. call it a night, try again the next day. Mm-hmm. So what I really concentrate on with my clients is three open palm sized portions of protein on your plates. And then either like in two protein containing snacks is what we say. So typically, and for me in real life, I preach against like superfluous supplementation Mm -hmm. all the time. But protein is one of those things where I think being able to supplement it with like protein shakes, protein powder, protein bars is a pretty essential to me yeah. being able to consistently hit well, the what only, I need to Well, the only hit. issue that arises is if you're literally drinking like three shakes a day right. and, you know, like not getting, because it's just not the, it's not as nutrient dense as right. like a chicken breast or a steak. Like you're mm-hmm. missing out on nutrients at that point. Yeah. I know some can be like fortified, but it's not as filling. 
But like supplementation, like I drink at least one a day. Like after oh, my yeah. workout. I have a I have a protein bar and a protein shake. Exactly. Once a day each. Exactly. And but, I mean, that's fifty grams of protein. Without that, like, I mean, okay, and this is kind of an it goes into a strategy for being able to facilitate like a calorie deficit or weight loss. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine if I removed those two things and I had to eat 50 grams of protein from food sources. Like, that takes work, honestly. And I would be very full from doing that. Which, towards the end of my competition prep, I do do that. There are no supplementation at all. I take out my shake because (laughs) I'm so hungry that that shake is literally just going to, like, be gone as soon as I drink it. So, typically, I will just—I will break up my meals into— like like she said, it takes mm-hmm. work. Like five meals a day, and I make sure I'm eating four to six ounces of animal protein, um, because it keeps a chicken breast is going to keep me f- more full than that. So like, mm-hmm. but obviously not everyone's doing bikini competition, right. but um, it is helpful to be full. Like, yeah, yeah. But I mean, for you know normal normal life, if you're eating three balanced meals a day that contain that much protein, mm-hmm. and then also adding a protein shake and a protein bar, you will be very close to hitting that protein target. Easily. Like, you're probably nailing it, honestly. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the the two biggest things in, like, strategies and hitting your— well, actually, I guess it's three things. Making sure that you're spreading it evenly throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Adding supplementation from protein shakes and bars mm-hmm. when necessary. Mm-hmm. And then replacing— or I guess just choosing to include higher protein, carbohydrates, and fat sources. Yes. So, like, easily, like, if you wanted to do, like, a, like, just cha- changing your white bread to wheat. Like, yes. is it easy? Like, small changes like that. And just making sure, like, things are more nutrient-dense and more mm-hmm. protein. But um, let's go ahead and move into the next topic. Okay, next and we're just going to continue, I guess, talking about the macronutrients. But we're talking about carbs now. Um, and one of the bigger things that I see is people putting up resistance in incorporating carbohydrates in their just regular day of eating. So throughout the day, and then this also kind of ties into a topic of like saving your calories or saving mm-hmm. enough of a macronutrient till the end of the day. Yeah. Which, I mean, just is kind of, is going to create problems. So carbohydrates, I think, have been bashed. <laughs> yes, have been bashed. They've had a huge target on them lately. And I don't think that that's completely unfounded, right? Because I think probably a lot of the American population does eat way too many processed but carbs. It's not, the, it's not like whole food carbs. Yeah. Like that's the issue. Yes. Like no one's getting diabetes or eating too much sweet potatoes. Like it's, yes. or bananas or fruit or yes. veggies. Like yes. it's the combination of what added right. sugars. And exactly. Well, the, it's context. Yes. Context matters. I just hate that carbs are all lumped under the right. same deal. Like well, it's But that's so a great point. Like that, it's a huge category. Carbohydrates encompasses not only sugar, um, but it also encompasses fiber, yeah. which have two completely like opposite different effects. effects. <laughs> yeah, so it's really and I you think, want you want both, but for different reasons. Right, right. So it's 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 hard. But I understand. Like I think a lot of resistance to my clients. I'm like, okay, like here's your carb goal. They're like, is that too much? And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, here's your calorie goal. And like actually, this is a balanced diet. And you got to think like I'm not telling you to go off and eat. Uh, cookies. I'm not telling you to go off and eat yeah. like refined. Like you don't need a two liter stuff. soda. Yeah. Like don't fill that up with yeah. it. But like, yeah, that's what you need. Like if you're doing sweet potatoes, brown rice, um, just fruits and veggies, like yep. that's awesome. Like that's where your nutrients are going to come from. You're getting your fiber. Now, if on the other hand, if you are like filling your carbs up with like Cheez-Its and mm-hmm. just I hate saying empty calories, but like Starbucks drinks, Starbucks drinks, mm-hmm. things like that, like you're not going to be the healthiest well, like, you, yeah, and you're it's not, not reaping the benefits that actually like that carbohydrates really do have to offer yes. you. So, looking at the nutrient density of your carbohydrate choices is important for creating the most healthful diet mm-hmm. that you can. And the best thing to do is, for one, stick with whole food sources, which mm-hmm. is meaning 
it's minimally or not processed at all. So it's your fruits, your veggies. Yep. Minimally starchy processed carbs, stuff, like starchy carbs. Potatoes, whole grains. Yes. And um, reading food labels, being able to distinguish between made with whole grains or mm-hmm. made with real fruit. Like, yeah. <laughs> ooh, okay. And the biggest thing to look at there is fiber. Yes. If it doesn't have fiber. Skirt. Yep. Choose an you option can literally, that does. You can literally buy popsicle that is made with real fruit and it literally have like a drop of strawberry yeah. and it doesn't mean like you're eating you're fruit. getting the nutrients yes. or like so the nutritious balance skipping yeah. all the nutrient claims or yeah. the package claims yeah and going straight to the food label and being confident and looking at fiber looking mm-hmm. at the daily values and seeing the actual nutrition in it and then move on because like there's some that will literally say low carb and then it'd be like 20 grams of fiber and, and you're gonna be on the toilet later yes yeah <laughs> Actually, we need to do an episode over like reading food labels. Okay, we'll just save that for next yeah, time. Yeah, we'll back save to the that. carbs. Yeah. Um, so carb fear. Um, don't be afraid to include your carbs. If you're choosing mainly whole foods, like anywhere from 40 to 60% of your diet should be coming from right. carbs. Most of your diet should be coming from yeah. quality carbohydrates. And like we kind of referenced earlier, if you are not purposefully trying to do a ketogenic diet, which that's a whole other topic in itself, and we would argue that unless there's a medical reason for you to be doing so, you should not yes. be doing that. So if you are not trying to do that, but you're still just for some reason not eating Fearing enough carbs, it. then you are not going to be getting the highest benefit that you could be getting out of your the healthfulness of your diet, but mm-hmm. also like any type of performance that you're looking mm-hmm. for. You're going to be low energy. Your workouts are probably going to suffer. You're just not going to be able to reap the benefits of being energized throughout the day and also like mentally and emotionally happy like subconsciously avoiding them because we've been so scared of them because of how they're portrayed so just um once you like that is one thing I really do like about tracking is that it honestly helps clients overcome it because it's like you really like as long it shows like numbers that you can include a good amount of carbs in your diet like and it helps them overcome that fear versus like they wouldn't have overcame it if they would not have started like yeah. tracking and been able to be like, ooh, okay. Yeah. Like I see that it is calories that causes me to gain or lose weight. Not then, a specific macronutrient. Yes. And I mean, I have- And they don't have to fear fat either. Yep. Like, yes. And yeah, same goes on the flip side. Mm-hmm. I have a personal experience with that. I'm truly convinced that learning how to track my food and seeing the data and like having my personal experience with that is what helped me- overcome that carb fear that I had. It's like a science experiment. Like it's literally like you can see the data. That's what I like about it. And on it, and you don't have to rely on it forever once you like learn it and then you're like, okay, and then you can incorporate Mm -hmm. it. But yeah. Well, and what I love about it is that I think having your own personal experience with it does more good than hearing us talk about it reading oh, yeah. stuff you won't, on the you internet. You won't believe like, it until you personally went through it. Yes. Like that's with literally anything. <laughs> like, yep. You can read all the stuff you want and be as educated, but usually until you go through it, you don't really believe it. And yes. that I can vouch for that on a food quality standpoint mm-hmm. too. Like I would let food quality suffer. And until I actually focus on food quality, I didn't realize the difference. So yeah. it's like literally anything. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's why a friggin' a talk about nutritional autonomy constantly, it feels mm-hmm. like, but like going through it yourself and then having the confidence to make those choices for yourself mm-hmm. because you have that personal experience exactly. with it. Exactly. Which is why I'll never discount a client's personal experience. Yep. Like if they feel better doing a certain thing or they went through it, like I can't, like I physically cannot discredit it because that's what they're going through. Yes. Too, so, yeah. So true. Okay. So... Like we're saying, I guess it kind of ties into wanting to save either... I see it with carbohydrates a lot, is that people will try and not eat carbs all day and then just save them till night. But that could be just if you are tracking your macros and you are just trying to eat as little as possible during the day so you can... Enjoy yourself Yeah, saving them up for night. This strategy... Usually backfires. Yes. (laughs) And that's because you're going to throw your hunger cues off and it's going to get to the point where 
your body is in a severe deficit. It's more likely going to trigger a binge. And even though you saved all those carbs, like you're still not going to be satisfied. Or even Mm -hmm. like maybe you do feel full, but then you don't feel great after you've saved them all. So um, the best way to prevent like that really bingy feeling is to adequately fuel yourself evenly throughout the day. Balanced plates throughout the day. Um, not saying you can't like if you have a dinner night. Exactly. Or- no, there can be some flex for sure. And if it's an a small like a specific circumstance, but those don't happen every day. No. Right. Like if you're purposely like avoiding it for every single night just to like overload, like that's not a helpful pattern. Mm-hmm. But if you know that you're going on a dinner night and that um you do want to enjoy like the certain food and yep. you know that you could keep it lower on the fat or just lower on the calories for that instance, yeah. like that's not like a habitual thing. Right. Um, you can stay on your goals. It could be a great tool. Yes. But it's when it becomes a habit is where it can be the issue. Yes. A thousand percent agree. Also, something that I see as a very common side effect of people saving their carbohydrates or saving their calories at the end of the day is a really intense craving for sweets at night. And I'm, this makes sense, right? Because your body is saying that it hasn't gotten enough carbohydrates throughout the day. So again, our carbohydrates don't just come from sugar. They come from starch carbs. They come from mm-hmm. fiber. They come from all of these nutritious foods that we can eat. When it gets to the end of the day and you haven't eaten any of any carbohydrates, your body and your brain is going to be asking for the largest source of carbs that it can think of which is sweets and sugar, salty carbs mm-hmm. too, like chips and yes. stuff. So um, anything that is super calorically dense because it's been devoid of the, that source of energy all day. And I'm telling you, it is like a game changer when you specifically start including starchy carb- carbs throughout the day. Those sweet cravings And then also like potatoes dissipate. and... Like rice and like whole grain pasta can be so filling. Like yes. people don't realize like you eat your protein by the time you eat your non-starchy carb mm-hmm. and then you eat your starchy carb, like you feel satisfied. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it comes around dinner time and it's just another normal meal. It's not like this holy grail of yep. carb devour. It's just another meal. <laughs> yep. Yes, exactly. So like just like we were talking about with protein, it's very important to consistently eat carbohydrates throughout the day. Not only will that help balance your blood sugar, right? Because we know that when we eat carbohydrates, they it gets turned into glucose that goes into our bloodstream. Mm-hmm. And then that is the energy that our cells use to be able to fuel yeah. all of the processes in our body. So keeps it stable throughout the day. Yeah. And we don't want it too at high, night, but we don't want it too low yeah. either. So eating carbohydrates in a balanced setting throughout the day will help your satiation levels, will mm-hmm. help your blood sugar levels, and will help you be able to create that consistency that you're exactly. looking for. Okay, let's move into our next topic. So we're going to talk about the scale. That dango scale. The scale. People, and I mean, myself included, I don't think really <laughs> anybody is exempt from no matter feeling how some type much, of way about the scale. No matter how much... <laughs> education they have on it like you can't help but probably have had at least a negative feeling come Mm -hmm. up um no matter what's going on especially if you have a specific goal in mind and you think you're putting expectations on what the scale should be doing absolutely worse like I'm going through that with contest prep right now Mm -hmm. (laughs) I am educated that you know I tell my clients like scale fluctuations happen but like you still want that satisfaction of yeah. your work being well, shown. Well, it's like a validation. And it's a physical, like, it's a hard data point yes. of what you're doing. But it sucks so. because that's literally, like, the worst data point. Yeah. <laughs> Not yes. the worst, but, like... Well, no. Okay, so let's so talk about what are some realistic expectations we can have when we're approaching the scale and what causes fluctuations on the scale because those are inevitable. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to happen no matter like how consistent you are, how like regimented you are. It's going to happen. Um, so what causes scale fluctuations for one, uh, the amount of food you're eating. So 
are you physically, do you have food in your stomach? Did yes. you eat more that day? Did you or the eat day more, before. Or the day before. Yeah. yeah. Um, sodium intake. Your cells are constantly putting you at a lecture like balance. So if you eat more sodium, your body's going to pull more water to make sure that your electrolytes are stable and it's taking care of you. If you eat less sodium, you might retain less water because it doesn't need that water in the cell. So it's to balance out the electrolytes. Yep. Yep. So, um, what else? Um, hormones, hormones and see these are okay. So technically, yeah, you can control your sodium intake. You can control the amount of food that you eat. You cannot control the time of the month, the time of the month. (laughs) Like, it's gonna happen. You can't control your. It's usually levels. the week before you actually start when your hormones are really skyrocketing. Yes, um, that's where I notice mine skyrocketing going up. So, and that's uh-huh. where my weight will go up as well. And it's and you know why it's there, but it's still not fun when you're like thinking you're gonna be losing a pound or two that week, and it's like up three pounds or yeah. four pounds, and you're like, oh, okay, oh, all right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it, I mean it's water weight. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, but also, speaking of water weight, varying carbohydrate intakes yep. can cause you to retain water weight. That's Which because, is not yeah. a bad thing. No. Like, that's literally what they're supposed to do. They're your energy and your muscles, they're in your liver for energy. And so, if you eat more of them, your body gets to store more for energy and with carbs come water. So, yes. yeah. which is actually a blessing. So, yes. yeah. <laughs> well, so carbohydrate is stored as glycogen in your liver and in your muscles. With every single gram of glycogen, it pulls three to four grams of water. Now think about how much that can add up. So that's why actually bodybuilders and um, powerlifters and runners actually carb up is because it literally stores in your muscle for that Mm -hmm. quick energy. So that's cool. And like you're going to be weighing more um, for that because you actually have more energy you can use. So just think of it as a cool science experiment. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) legitimately, that could add six pounds to the scale. Easily. Yes. Okay, so scale fluctuations are going to happen. And like we were saying, even if you're hitting your calorie goal, if you just ate more carbs the day before than you had the day before that when you weighed, the scale's probably going to go up And a it's not bit. fat because you ate carbs. It's exactly. literally your body's there that's like, okay, y'all, we got some energy we can be using. Mm-hmm. Not saying you have to like go burn off, but like it's there for you to yeah. use. So it's awesome. Even um, um, doing a really intense workout, if that, I mean, the process of working out and building that muscle. acute inflammation, exactly. you got to think um, your body's going to be retaining water. If you're sore, if you ripped your muscle fibers, you're going to be retaining yep. fluid yeah. because your body's trying to heal. So, so none of these are bad for our health. They're no, not bad I've for had our clients goals. They're not like, bad for anything. I've literally had a client be like, I worked so hard in my workout yesterday and the scale is up. And I'm like, are you sore? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, that's probably why. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah I'm literally, I never weigh less the next day after I have to, like, a, if I'm sore or yeah. if I had a really crazy workout, um, I'm usually up and it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think once you just embrace the fact that you are going to see different numbers on the scale. Weekly, daily. Yes. Like it, you can literally be three to four pounds different from mm-hmm. a day-to-day basis, yeah. but that does not mean yeah. your work is not adding up adding over up time. Over yes. time. So um, it's my, all about like being able to track the average over time if you have a specific goal. Yes. If you have um if you actually have a fat loss goal mm-hmm. and I usually say like even research shows like actually the more data you take and the more you like weigh yourself, the more likely you are to reach that goal because you can actually see it. So if you're weighing daily, not only does that help. I know some like some people have a negative relationship and if you do, you don't necessarily have to weigh every day, but I usually, if my clients are okay with it and there's no anxiety. I will say weigh every day because if think about it, if you weighed yourself on a day, you had a five pound fluctuation. Right. And well, it's a completely week, inaccurate picture yeah. of the, the data. No, I approach it from the same way. And I think a lot of people want to just straight up be like, if you weigh yourself every day, like that's disordered, that's unhealthy. And you know what? Like I came from a place where if I was weighing myself, that would ruin my day if this, mm-hmm. if it was higher than I thought it was going to be, or it would send me into this spiral of restriction. And so taking a break from that was very helpful for a period of time. 
and not being concerned about what the scale said, not even owning a scale, um, focusing on things like performance goals and food quality and all of those things that are like the effort behind that was within my control. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a results-based like process, you know? But being able to kind of neutralize my relationship with what I saw on the scale and realize that A, it is just a data point, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. control how much effort I'm putting into my workouts, my food quality, none of those things. Um, it's just a piece of data. And the more data that I have, the more accurate that exactly. picture is going to be. And honestly, like, it's more calming in a way because it's like, mm-hmm. okay, so my, my, like, I will legit, I've been bouncing up two pounds each day. Like, one day I'll be two pounds up and the next mm-hmm. day I'll be two pounds lower. Two pounds up two pounds lower. But then you got to think like your average um, is what you actually like lost that week. So it's helpful. It's not, I I think it, the only part that will be disordered is if you feel like that negative feeling, it's not a neutral feeling, then you need to probably take a step back and talk with um, a professional Mm -hmm. about it and then your next move. But if you can literally step on the scale and it be a data point, I I don't feel... Like, that is disordered. <laughs> no. I mean, I completely agree. And it is it is a helpful piece of data to have, especially if you are That's pursuing. That's the key. The piece. Yes. It's a piece. It's not the only sole no. data you need to So let's talk about some other ways of measuring progress that aren't scale-related. Because, yeah, that is just one small piece of data in the overall picture. So, um, so on a fat loss perspective, mm-hmm. other you can do body fat measurement. You could do waist measurement. Mm-hmm. Um, you could literally go off how your clothes are fitting. Um, you can even, like, I will say how you're feeling, but depending on how your deficit is, <laughs> yeah. how, like, how deep in your deficit you are, you could be feeling great. You could be hungry. So it just, it really just depends on, I would say, like, progress pictures. Um, I know not everyone's a fan of them, mm-hmm. but um, body fat percentage seeing if you're losing inches, sometimes just like telling your clothes are the best indicator. I'll have clients like I don't, ha- they don't weigh themselves. They don't want to take progress pictures. It's fine. But they, we, I do ask like how your clothes fitting and they're yeah. like, my jeans are like two inches off the waist or if they're building muscle, they'll be like, I'm actually filling out my jeans better and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Too, my so. jeans are getting tight in the legs, but like looser in the waist. Exactly. It's like, all right, we got some body composition changes going on. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I think that's a really good indicator. And yeah, how you perceive your body as well. And this is a very delicate balance because, you know, incessant body checking correlates strongly with having negative body mm-hmm. image. So again, it's one of those things where all of this stuff is and should be individualized to where you are in your point in this process. Exactly. But if you can notice, you know, like different definition in your muscles. And it could just be like while you're working out. So yeah. something you got to be like be in the mirror exactly. or like, or if you notice you're lifting more weight, mm-hmm. um, things like that. So uh, yeah. Did you want to go ahead and talk about the next topic? I feel like it's just tying into it at this point. So yeah. Like body image. For sure. So body image I think is one of these things where literally every person on the planet has some type of struggle with it, but nobody wants to say that they have a struggle with it because, you know, everybody wants to be like confident, self-love, like, you know, this big kind of movement going around where it's very popular now to just act like you just love yourself (laughs) (laughs) 24-7. Which is probably not realistic. Like, yeah. you're going to have your moments. And there's, I feel like there's a difference between, like, you know, choosing to work on each day to love yourself and choosing to find the brighter sides and then blatantly ignoring that. Um, right. That yeah. you, you probably do still struggle with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, with that being said, I think that it is extremely helpful to be able to acknowledge the struggles that you do experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and struggling with any type of body image issue doesn't mean that you struggle with self-worth. You can still know that you are worthy Worthy. as a person. You hold inherent value, but it's harder to build that self-esteem 
when we're not taking action or we don't have a respectful view of our body. So self-worth and self-esteem are different concepts, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that was something that I struggled with personally because it was like, I never thought that, you know, I was a piece of trash and like, I'm Mm -hmm. a worthless human being. Like I always knew that like I was valuable. I had a lot to offer and it was just, I didn't feel like it. It it was like, I I wasn't living up to my potential and I didn't Mm -hmm. feel like the person that I knew I could be Mm -hmm. because I was self-conscious. I was comparing my body to random people in the Walmart parking lot. It's like, oh, do I look like, I'm sure I look smaller than her. And comparing myself to pictures of old me and all these things. And it's like, so much of my brain space was taken up Mm -hmm. by worrying about how my body was being perceived by other people. It was exhausting, honestly. So how did you... I mean, get to the point where I know you still have days you struggle, but yeah. like, like compared to then to now, like how much of it does it take up your mental capacity? Mm-hmm. Much, much less. I mean, I, you know, there was maybe, I don't think the day went by where I wasn't comparing my body to someone or like wishing that I felt differently. And nowadays, you know, I maybe have one day a week where something kind of triggers those Mm -hmm. thoughts and it's like, oh man, like I wish I could change this or I'm feeling this type of way. But being able to be aware of that and then pulling back and thinking like, okay. Why do I have these expectations? Why am I? Where is this coming from? And is this something that is a controllable variable? Can I reduce my exposure to whatever it is that's triggering these thoughts? Or is this something internal mm-hmm. that, okay, I'm feeling a negative feeling and it's presenting as me feeling negatively about my body, whereas it's actually just experiencing an unpleasant emotion and I'm just deflecting from actually coming to terms with what that is and what I can really do about that. So all of this stuff takes like awareness and mm-hmm. practice. Um, really knowing the triggers, I feel like mm-hmm. is used because I know a lot of my like, um, especially as a bodybuilder, like we're, we're literally all we're focused on is like body checking, and then com- we're literally comparing <laughs> ourselves yeah, to yeah. the girl next to us. And um, what I do like during preps and stuff, I know eventually at some point in my prep, what I do is I mute other bikini competitors because yep. if not, I'm constantly looking at their page and like, well, she has better shoulders, and this is. Again, this is not like normal population stuff, but um, same concept. Like if you're seeing something that is triggering a negative emotion and it's something that could easily be muted. <laughs> yes. You yeah. can mute it. And your social media and your just media intake in general, that includes like television, things you read, mm-hmm. watch, you can control that environment. And, you know, I don't think that we need to get to a point where everything has to be, you know, like padded with Mm -hmm. pillows or like it feels like we're wearing like one of those like plastic wrap things that's like so protective that like we're suffocating but being able to cultivate your environment that you come in direct contact with Mm -hmm. every day can really really aid in the reduction of those triggers and just give you time to start working towards working on it right so like you're just in a constant state of like feeling poorly about your body and comparison and I want to look like so-and-so which is like like it what am I trying to say well that's a problem in and of itself yeah comparing your body directly to another person exactly I want to look like x and like and you see that every time comes on it's like Mm -hmm. that can have a negative emotion but like I feel like that is I mean it's not necessarily I have to meet the person I feel like more like that needs to be addressed on kind of like why you are comparing yourself to another person. Mm-hmm. So, um, or you can, again, mute the person if, you know, you find, I guess, that it's just like people have so different lives. They have different genetics. They have yeah. different abilities. Like everyone is so different. Yes. That um, you can't just follow something someone else is doing or um, expect to look like someone else. Like right. one of our favorite quotes, I'm sure everyone's heard this, is like, even if you exercised and ate the literal exact same thing, 
as someone else, like you're still not going to look like, like them. Like yep. it's just not going to happen. I literally think me and Hope have been doing the same exercise program <laughs> and we eat very similarly, but we just literally have different bone structure and genetics. Oh my like gosh. it's just never going. Like, I, if, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's go. I'm five, nine. You're five, four, five, like, four. April is very like petite bone structure, just literal like, bone structure, human in general. Um, and I always struggled with being the biggest person in all of my friend groups. Um, I, and just like, like legitimately tall. the tallest yeah. and like largest structure. And so that was something that I, I was just an, a thing that I had to come to terms with because this is my body. Um, and this is the only one that I get. So yeah, just not trying to box yourself in with expectations that are legitimately never achievable Mm -hmm. and releasing yourself from those things. And especially when it comes to wanting to look like a certain person, it's not going to happen because you are not. And that's not a bad thing. That's actually a great thing. I like that we're all unique and we can all be different. And yeah. So you can maximize your own potential and your own genetics, but you're not going to ever be able to, you know, be someone else. And that's a great thing because you have your own unique qualities to offer. You have your own individualized uh, purpose in this world. So you get to be the best version of yourself. And that's pretty awesome. (laughs) Okay. And that's the cheesiest thing I've ever said in my life. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess let's just kind of wrap up this topic with an actionable way to cultivate your environment to be conducive to formulating um, an improved body image, um, if that's something that you are wanting to work toward. So I think looking at your inputs, looking at where you're getting information from on social media, what you're watching, what you're listening to, and starting to just become aware of what gives you that kind of icky feeling in your stomach where it's like you see it and you immediately feel worse about yourself. Mm -hmm. And not everything is going to be completely avoidable, right? And some things are going to be things where it is going to be a consistent maybe trigger of negative emotion, especially if you are, you know, like in person going to the gym and you see people who are fitter than you or who have some type of character or, or some type of trait that you are wanting. <laughs> yeah. Or stronger. <laughs> I get triggered. I'm like, man, I'm freaking weak. If I see like some girl, like put on some heavy weight, I'm like, should I be a power lifter? And it's like, okay, why do I feel like right. I have to be the sh- literal strongest person in the gym? Like chill. So part of it then is just becoming aware of these things and not uh, projecting it as a problem that the other person needs to fix. Mm-hmm. This is something that you are Ooh. struggling with, right? True. Um, yeah. So it's really hard to give I'm, yourself next a check. Time I'm gonna yeah. go, if the girl is stronger than me, I'm going to go up and be like, can you lift less, less please? please. <laughs> um, I'm going to need you to go around my routine, make sure that you don't lift over this amount of weight because that's what I like to yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> so there are going to be some things that are, a a personal issue. And that is completely okay to be able to recognize that and then really be introspective about that. What could be causing this? How can you reframe your thoughts to be able to move past this Mm -hmm. in the future? But then also there are some controllables where we can start to cultivate um, a more maybe diverse picture of beauty and beauty standards maybe looking at some people and surrounding yourself with some sources that aren't necessarily the like westernized standard of beauty. Um, Seeing some people in larger bodies that have a higher body fat percentage working out and living their life Mm -hmm. without trying to shrink themselves. Mm -hmm. And And, like you can follow mm -hmm. like accounts and things like that that are like uplifting and like showing that, um, you know, like working out isn't just about, you know, making yourself smaller. Like it really is so much more. Yeah. So it's nice to see others 
like having that same mindset too. Like, yeah. Um, if I wasn't doing bikini competitions and I was, I would like, if once I'm done competing, I'm definitely going to focus more on performance goals. Cause honestly, they're a lot more enjoyable than yeah. constantly like looking in the mirror and being like, okay, my goal is to grow this or do this because it's a lot more fun. I'm like, oh, I can lift this or mm-hmm. um, I can run this. So like, yeah, well, and that's a great point. Having more performance-based goals yes. than um, aesthetic goals. Cause that's honestly like something you can measure and work towards. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, okay, I can now lift 12 pounds this week on my um, shoulder press. Then last week I did 10, like it's fun. Um, and then it's something that you can celebrate your body. Like, man, I didn't think I could actually lift that much. Or yeah. you're like, you're pushing yourself and it's, it's yeah. fun. Cause there was a point where it's like, I didn't even like worry about it. And then I got into competitions and it's like, you know, mm-hmm. like it's well, all I care about. Well, yeah. And so like you're saying, when we, um, you know, we're kids and we're playing and we we're not looking at our body as though trying to see it from an outside lens, mm-hmm. right? We're just living, living. in our body. We're just experiencing Go back things to through being our body. a child. Yeah. Like, yeah. Literally, like mentally, like honestly, just like, you know, there's things that you can do to take care of yourself outside of that. Um, it doesn't have to, yeah. like, you don't got to always be like looking well, on outside lens. It's like, yeah. I'm enjoying myself. My body's taking care of me. I'm having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to let this picture of me having fun ruin it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then being willing to participate in those things that maybe you've told yourself a story that you can't do this until you lose X amount of pounds or Mm -hmm. you can't put on a bathing suit until your body looks a certain way Um, or you can't. I Mine was like, I'm not allowed to do a fitness shoot unless Mm -hmm. I am stage lean. Like Mm -hmm. that, I finally broke that barrier. I was like, why is this a thing? Like, why did I do this to myself? So So start start living mm-hmm. the way that you want to live in the body that you're in right now and prove to yourself that you can, you can do it. And your body doesn't dictate how you experience I uh, promise, like When you're 80, you're going to be like, mm-hmm. man, I really wish I would have went out in the boat with my friends. You're not going to be like, I'm so glad I waited until I was 20 pounds lighter. Yeah. <laughs> or, yes. or if it never happens, like you miss out on this. Yeah. Things. Yeah. So one of my absolute favorite resources for this type of stuff is a company called Beauty Redefined. Uh, They have an Instagram and then also they're um, twin sisters who have PhDs in body image research. And yeah, Um, (laughs) they wrote a book also and it's called More Than a Body. Uh, So those are great starting points if you want to kind of delve into this topic a little more and, you know, just widen your perspective and start understanding maybe how so many different things play into our body mm-hmm. image. Um, again, and I say I this every time. Because I, <laughs> I'm honestly like, I know I need to like read more things that are a little bit more like positive and like maybe mm-hmm. even challenge my thoughts a little bit about oh, it. Oh, so. I mean, that is one thing that it is for definite. Like it is not an easy read. Every page is something where it's, you know, like, wow, I'm (laughs) like, how am I, you know, 12 years old sitting in my living room, like re-experiencing this moment that has been like so influential in the way that I perceive like my body and body image. It's like an experience to go through. Um, All right. I'll have to read it and we can talk about it. Yeah. But I recommend it to all of my clients. And I think that it's just a really, really great yeah, starting point to be able to go deep and get in there and see what's going on because Mm -hmm. weight loss, um, dieting, none of these things are going to fix underlying body image issues. Nope. So, um, it's gotta, it's gotta start a little deeper than that to really get to the root of the issue. Yeah. Okay. I think that, that kind of wraps up. We like rambled yeah. on that. So like that obviously could we be a podcast had, in itself. We had like five more topics that we wanted to get to. Um, we'll worry about that yeah. in episode. We're going to wrap this up. <laughs> um, all right. Thank you for being here. Um, as always, you can find us on Instagram at the Everyday Dietitians. I am Hopewell underscore health. And I am April underscore Danielle underscore or 
add underscore, yeah. underscore, <laughs> underscore. No, I'm just kidding. Add um, nutrition. I don't know why I did my personal one. Like, yeah. <laughs> add underscore nutrition. Erase that. Hey, your you're a person too. No, I'm just saying. Yeah. No, but, um, yeah, so if you want to work with either of us, all you got to do, or just hit follow and support um, yeah. us and want to learn more, just follow us on Instagram. Message us if you have any questions or just yeah. want to chat. But yeah, so thanks for listening and hopefully we will see you or talk to you be in your uh, (laughs) headphones or in your car car. (laughs) next week for episode nine bye bye